a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Titled It's Utah's World, Tom Hackett alongside Steve Bartle, the new co-host. Uh, Steve, welcome in. Tom, it's good. It's good to be here, man. I'm excited about this. This well, is a exciting thing. It is. It is. We're at the Castle Broadcast House and uh, hanging out here in one of the studios. Um, it's Utah's World is the name. Of course, it was the my least favorite name. I sent Steve a list of, of potential potential names we could go with. Really. Yes. I mean, it doesn't really roll off the tongue for a podcast. Right. But I think for Utah fans, that moment where you declared that, I I think a lot of Utah fans will appreciate the name. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, (laughs) What's your your Twitter handle, Steve? It's sbartle247. So S-B-A-R-T-L-E-247. Hit me there. Hit hit Steve up there. You can follow me at at Tom Can't Hackett as well. So the idea behind the podcast, Utah themed, obviously we'll we'll talk all things Utah. Steve, uh, obviously well known for his insight within the program, specifically on the recruiting front. Uh, and I um, I still have some connections up there. I still I take pride in the the Utes, what they're all about, and. Uh, uh, hopefully growing the program, it, it seems as though, and we'll get into this as the podcast kind of goes along, but it seems as though Utah and, and the program itself is in the in the right place. It's moving along swiftly, and uh, it, it's it's quickly becoming bigger than years past, which is always exciting for Utah fans. But the idea, I guess, behind this podcast, uh, Steve, is to have some fun, first and foremost. Absolutely. Uh, to, to try and entertain... The ears that are brave enough to listen to this podcast. you got to be brave to tune into this podcast. But to also inform those with the happenings of, of Utah football. So I guess we'll start the podcast with, and I'm hoping to do this maybe every every week, um, news and notes from around the program. That There's a ton that's been going on since the, the dismal Alamo Bowl, obviously. So um, where would you like to start? On the recruiting trail? Why don't we go back all the way to like December 25th when the majority of the recruits got here? And then uh, you, can, you can talk about Wednesday or this past Wednesday when a handful of others trickled through the program. Kyle Whittingham, Steve, mm-hmm. said it's the best recruiting class they've ever had under Kyle Whittingham. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, at his press conference on... Wednesday, 
which is always a weird, I better turn my phone off, uh, which is always a weird time for uh, a press conference in the middle of the week. But it's nice for us media members. It gives us something to to handle. But, yeah, Kyle Whittingham talked about this this recruiting class being the best that they've ever signed. And it's hard to dis- disagree with them when you look at what we do at 24-7 Sports with our own ratings and rankings and as well as the composite, which is – uh, a, a compilation of all ratings and rankings across the recruiting industry. So there are three real big recruiting sites, that being 24-7, Rivals, and ESPN. There are some others, but uh, when you look at the ratings of the kids that they're bringing in, most of which signed in December, which is a, a very positive sign in and of itself, it's hard to argue that this this isn't the best class that they've signed on paper. Uh, I think the 2016 class, I think they've set the bar. That's the class that included Garrett Bowles, um, Mitch Wisnowski, uh Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss. That class set the bar in terms of what that what they achieved at their time at Utah. So they've kind of set the bar. But in terms of on paper ratings and rankings, this is the best class that Utah has signed, and they. Thanks to the players that they've signed, that they were recruiting, they landed their first top 30 class uh, in the country in program history. So that's a tremendous achievement. They've been close. I think the the next highest they've been is 33rd, maybe 32nd. But uh, to finish top 20, top 30, uh, knocking on the door of a top 25 class, that's a tremendous achievement for Utah football. And it speaks to... What you alluded to earlier, the growth of the program, uh, the the rise of the program, and the fact that they've been able to do this on back-to-back division championships is a big, big, big deal. Headlined by Clark Phillips the third, mm-hmm. I'd imagined uh, as we go down the list, a, a number of four-star athletes and uh, and and prospects. Van Fillinger, who many around the neighborhood of Corner, Corner Canyon are familiar with, Xavier Carlton, Nate Ritchie. I mean, some really good local in-state talent. Headlined by Clark Phillips III. So we'll start there. You, you've got to assume, and, and maybe you have a different idea. We haven't even touched base on this, mm-hmm. Steve, but Jalen Johnson departs. Basically, the entire second second carry has gone. gone, right? <laughs> yeah. So Clark Phillips, you, you would think... Is a is a surefire starter, or at least somebody that's going to get reps with the first team, and then it'll be his to win and or lose, right? Yeah, you know, I think that that's you hate to put expectations that high for a freshman kid, but when you look at what Utah did with Jalen Johnson three years ago when they recruited him in twenty seventeen, they had the same plan uh, for Jalen that they have for Clark Phillips. That's what brought him to Utah from Ohio State. He was committed to Ohio State since last summer. That was the pitch that that Utah gave him was, hey, look, we've got a blueprint that we've proved doable with Jalen Johnson. You're a higher-rated prospect than him. You're coming into a secondary where we have to replace everybody. Like, yeah, and, and the fact that he's already enrolled um, participating in winter workouts, getting to to learn from the coaches, and that those few extra months are so important for uh, for kids coming into college because they get um, acclimated with the speed. And you can speak more to that with your experience actually playing in the program. Um, but I I think you know yeah if you're looking at this Clark Phillips, 
maybe the expectation should be that he comes into the program and he starts this year. I think that's the hope. That's why you recruited him. Right. Uh, and I think he's got the traits, uh, the physical profile, everything that you want in a cornerback to, to do that. Sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't tell you how important. And granted, I, I was a punter. I, I didn't play a position that required um, a playbook to be more than two pages, essentially. <laughs> like, like my playbook. What was, does a punter's playbook look like? Um, so a punter's playbook is three plays, or I at least you were this is what say it was. Words. Catch, <laughs> punt. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, That's it could be words. that as well. It could be that as well. So it's it's basically left, middle, or right. Ah, but they so have it is like three words. They have like language, you okay. know, like yeah, yeah. They, so back when I played, it was red for right, blue for left, and white for middle. That's always. And then there are a few other intricacies like formations, mm-hmm. but but I guess from a punter, you don't really have anyway. So like for net, for for Clark Phillips the third, he's. He's going to have to learn not only the playbook and, and, and how to disguise in the manner that Morgan Scally has been able to do so well um, since he's been the defensive coordinator, but also technique, right? So, mm-hmm. so Coach Shaw, the more time he can get with him, watch film with him, uh, get out on the training or, or the practice pitch with him uh, come spring ball. I mean, that, that is so valuable because when, when those recruits, Steve, come in middle of summer, they have like, I, I, from memory, five or six weeks maximum mm-hmm. to get ready for the fall. Yeah, and that is not a lot of time, and, and especially with the altitude, it takes a week or two just to climatize yourself to to the altitude. Uh, if you're not from a mountainous area above sea level, and then uh, I, I just think massive advantage if you can get into into the program and roll early in winter, boy it. It can go a long, long way. We'll we'll continue to talk about the secondary. What do you make of Nate Ritchie? Is he is he a chance to start? I mean, you'd imagine he is. He was a three star prospect. Mm-hmm. He just got bumped up to a four. Did you have anything to do with that? Uh, yeah, I may have sent our uh, national recruiting analysts a lot of mail, uh, flyovers with the banners and the airplanes, nice. the the blimps. I may have sent a lot of that their their way but yeah you know I, I think Nate Ritchie has a tremendous opportunity and chance at starting this fall which is crazy to say because that's you know two true freshmen and, and again you hate to put that kind of expectation on these kids but Nate Ritchie is just that good uh, he is a, a tremendous athlete he plays soccer he's a multi-sport kid where he's playing basketball uh, track soccer so he's got a lot of physical and athletic traits that are uh, wonderful for secondary athletes, uh, and especially with him, with his physical profile, he's approaching 200 pounds um, at 6'3", which is great. He's a, a really good fit at the strong safety position, which, of course, you have to replace a lot of talent, a lot of productivity in the secondary Richie has a, a good blend of coverage skills, both in man and zone. Uh, he picked off, I think, uh, he had eight interceptions on the year, four of which I think he returned for touchdowns. So he's a playmaker, uh, and you know he's he'll hit with violence, and that's what's fun uh, about him is he's not just a, a coverage guy, but he's willing to to hit you. So I think 
with his skill set, his athletic ability, as long as he comes in and he can pick up the playbook, I think it's going to be more difficult for Nate Ritchie to pick up the the playbook. Whittingham and Scally and Shaw will tell you that the easiest spot on the defense to pick up the playbook is cornerback because the world in which you have to to learn isn't that great, but it's so much more focused on technique. Right. Which which will benefit Clark, whereas as you get closer inside safeties, linebackers, it's a bit more difficult because the playbook is so much larger. I think that's going to be the biggest key for Nate Ritchie is how quickly he can pick up that playbook. Right, and uh, obviously disguising plays from the mm-hmm. safety position. We've seen many safeties over the years. Do it, Marcus Williams, Chase Hanson. They drop into the box. Next thing you know, they'd be uh, the lone safety out there in in some sort of disguise coverage which is uh which is really quite intricate for the college level I must admit from and and granted I'm no I'm no expert when it comes to X's and O's I know a decent amount uh but but I'm not I'm not a former quarterback or anything right, right where I could break down uh although speaking to a lot of people uh over the years at all sorts of different events and venues they they talk about it and, and credible people at that they speak of how impressive Utah's defense, and we're starting to hear more about this, by the way, from um, the National Football League, from NFL coaches. Mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, last year, Cody Barton and Marquise Blair got drafted to the Seahawks, and uh, uh, 30 seconds of uh, of the press conference introducing the the draft the draftees to Seattle was about Carl Whittingham's defense, which is from Pete Carroll himself, mm-hmm. the head coach of the Seahawks. So I just think the... The expectation now for Utah's defense is to be good. And, and by the way, yeah. speaking of which, to transition this towards uh, the NFL, the, the Combine invites, Steve, yeah. were released nine Utes, I believe most in school history, right? Yeah, yeah, the most eight in school them, history. Eight of them on the defensive side of the ball. Unbelievable. Just one offensive player. Is that right? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, it's, it's one offensive player. That's Zach Moss. Which is crazy to me. Because like, where's Darren Polo, mm-hmm. who I who who to me, despite maybe not having as big of a name and getting as much national media attention, that just his body type is one that you would see in the NFL. Like if Sam Tevy makes it, then I think Darren Polo makes the NFL. He's a freak. He's got the longest arms yes. I've seen. He's a gargantuan of a man. Moves well. Uh, yeah, he like I think you would want to see him and and get a better feel for his athleticism. What he how well he moves, right? I think that's the key for him. Which so like why he we got to get I, do you do you know how these invites occur? I don't know how these invites are put together. Uh, I could certainly ask around. I've been able to to form some relationships with people in the scouting world. I'll have to I'll have to ask around and see what how these invites are put together and how they're extended. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the details. I, I do remember being told roughly back in the day something towards a majority vote. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a majority vote that came that came into play when it comes to NFL Combine invites. So I don't know if fifty percent of NFL GMs need to vote for you to get invited. But anyway, if if you could ask around, I could do the same. We could yeah. figure it out and get to the bottom. Tyler Huntley not invited either. That's, yeah, that's what I wanted to get to. Was Tyler Huntley? It, just how big of a snub that was. Like, that so do was, you think he's a bigger snub than Paula? I do. Oh, that's interesting. I do. I, because I think there's so much intrigue with Tyler Huntley and what he did. The growth 
an improvement he made from his junior year to his senior year. Why wouldn't you want to see more of that? You know, I, I know he got the invite to the East-West Shrine game, which provided him some good exposure, and he played well there. Why why wouldn't he get an invite over some of these other quarterbacks that did? So um, I, I totally agree with you, Steve. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I, I have said at the start of the year he started playing quite well. Well, you could go back to 20, 2018. He was playing quite well until the injury he sustained sure. in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long story short, really since the back end of 2019, Tyler Huntley's senior season, I've said I think Tyler Huntley's going to get drafted. I think he's going to get drafted. I think it's going to be a late-round pick, but I still think he's going to get drafted. Now, I must admit, when he was left off the combine invite, I started to second-guess as to whether or not he was going to get drafted. The reason I originally thought Tyler was going to get drafted was pretty simple, and that is the NFL right now is in somewhat of a transition stage when it comes to quarterbacks, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. where this dual-threat style is really coming into play, and the traditional pro-style, three-step drop, pocket-passing mm-hmm. quarterback is seemingly kind of leaving. It's a dying-off breed. Right. Yeah. Tyler Huntley's a dual-threat quarterback. He's shown it specifically in his senior season, is the ability to run, to utilize play action, to pick up yards with his legs. I think Tyler Huntley is, is somebody that, that can do that in the NFL. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, right, just won the, just won the Super Bowl. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, Tyler Huntley beat in high school. Uh, oh, wow, that's a that's a fact of the day. Did you not know? I that? did not know that. No, I did not Steve, know that. You know? I did not know that. that Tyler is... Huntley must have been young because Did... Lamar Jackson was in high school a minute ago. Okay, so there are there's a there's a YouTube. I will look video it up. I will look this up of the that's highlights. Impressive. And oh, you've got that would have been a I game. Was, I was watching it, so I was trying I was trying to do a story on it, um, just because. Tyler Huntley's playing at an elite level. Lamar yeah. Jackson's MVP front runner, and I was trying to call Hallandale High School, but I could not get through to their sports department. So the story never, never happened. But Dang Tyler it. Huntley beat Lamar Jackson's high school. That's uh, and they're friends. That's something. Yeah, they're they're friends. Yeah, yeah. They go back. So uh, anyway, I I back to my point regarding Tyler. I just think where the NFL's at, the way Tyler ended his career in college, I think it's a travesty that he was not invited to the combine. It just blows my mind. It 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 quite frankly makes no sense. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there, and, and you know to say that pocket passers are dying off. I think pocket passers, you have to have mobility now. You look at what Patrick Mahomes is, who's you, who you referred to. You know, he's a pocket passer, but he's got that mobility where he can escape, he can beat you with his legs. You look at the quarterbacks, the top quarterback prospects in this draft class, you look at Justin Herbert, what did he do in the Rose Bowl? He ran for multiple touchdowns because he's a he's a dual threat. He would prefer to operate out of the pocket, but he's got some mobility with his legs. I, I think Tyler Huntley showed us that where he was a true a true dual threat quarterback, he improved as a pocket passer this year. And I think that's the most intriguing thing about him is how much better has he actually improved as a passer. And I think that was something that where the combine is is mostly about athletic testing and and that kind of stuff. Quarterbacks are still going to throw. They're still going to throw routes to receivers and that kind of thing. I think you want to see that. Um, And so the fact that he didn't get an invite, and you look at the list of, of quarterbacks that did, 
most of them deserve to be there. But I think Tyler Huntley, with the way he played his senior season, uh, with the Heisman campaign late in the season, which was earned, um, I think he deserved a shot to be there. And I'm with you. It's a travesty that that he was not invited. I, I just think... Much like in the game of basketball, right, you can break down the box score all you want. At the end of the day, in my opinion, efficiency is priority number one. If I was a head Mm -hmm. coach of a basketball team or a football team, efficiency would be kind of priority number one. How efficient are we uh, when we're shooting the three, when we're throwing play action, go routes, you know. And and Tyler was 73.1% in 2019. Off 220 completions, 301 attempts. I mean, like, that's a pretty decent sample size. It's not bad. (laughs) To say, and I believe, Steve, that 73.1%, second best in the country, only behind Heisman winner uh, Joe Burrow. I think I think I'm correct in saying that you he, are right. You are correct. Okay. Joe Burrow was at seventy six point three percent. Remarkable. And, and Tyler Huntley seventy three point one. Right. So just an impressive job. And his yards per attempt. I think that is something where if you don't understand, I, I think that's a big deal because that shows you're getting big chunks of play. You're not just dumping it off to running backs in the backfield to to keep your percentage inflated. Right? I think that's kind of a thing with these spread offenses is you kind of get these easy um, behind the line of scrimmage throws. He's throwing it downfield and he's completing a high percentage of these passes, which is just remarkable and shows the growth that he made this season. Ten, ten yards, 10.3 yards on average. I mean, so he's picking up good yards. And let's not forget, he wasn't... And granted, nobody's nobody's healthy throughout the entire season, but boy, he beat the Washington Huskies essentially on one leg. <laughs> that right? run, yeah, where he scored, running that in, yes. like, that, was, that was impressive. So he showed the guts, the determination, the grit required to to be an elite level athlete. He has the numbers. He has the athletic ability, in my opinion. It just, it really makes no sense to me as to how he, he, he didn't get a combine invite. Unfortunately, or I should say rather fortunately for Tyler, there are avenues that can still have him get drafted. I still think, I, I, I'm going to go out and say, I still think he gets drafted. I do too. You do? I do too. Okay. I think it's going to be a late round flyer. Um, you know, a team like uh, Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore, teams that have these athletic dual threat quarterbacks that utilize them. I think they're they want a player like Tyler Huntley, um, where they can draft him late and develop him over the next couple of years. The fact that he was invited to the East West Shrine game tells me that there's interest out there. Yes. Uh, now, now the combine snub. Is certainly concerning, uh, but there's there's Utah's pro day, which will have a ton of scouts mm-hmm. and probably some general managers and probably some head coaches that'll be there. So there'll be plenty of eyes for him to showcase his ability, and um, and of course you've got one on one workouts, which are very very important as well. And I'm sure he'll have a handful of them. Although I would love an explanation from somebody. I mean, we're, we're not going to get it. <laughs> we demand it. It would be nice <laughs> to have somebody tell us, like, why did he not get invited? Just explain. It makes yeah. no sense. It, yeah. Is it a numbers thing? Did you just have to simply cut somebody? If so, let's change that rule. Yeah. Because you're essentially, you know, you're, you're, you're limiting a young man's potential future, mm-hmm. um, which is just ridiculous. But, 
But I don't know. I'm just making it up. It might not be a numbers thing. They might legitimately think he's not good enough, which would blow my absolute mind. But then again, that's behind. That's why I'm behind this microphone, and and they're not. So maybe they you're wearing a wonderful don't. golf sweater. It's it's a beautiful. Thing to, to look at here, Tom. I, I am I'm glad that you're here personally. I but, you know. too kind. I'm itching for golf season. <laughs> I, I know you are. I cannot <laughs> wait for golf season. All right, we're 22 minutes into this thing. We'll take out one and only timeout. I I do I do want. I'm sure you have a few things you want to talk about, yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah. But but one thing that I would love to talk about coming back on the other side is. This quarterback battle. I mean, it's going to be the talk of the town, Ooh, right, yeah. in spring. Um, we have sp- the spring dates for you guys, if, if you haven't quite caught them yet. But the quarterback battle uh, between Cam Rising and, uh, and of course, Mr. Bentley. We will we will discuss that plenty more. Uh, big thanks to Nate Wade Subaru, of course, for, for sponsoring this podcast. If you need a Subaru, they're your number one place in Utah to head to a very friendly customer service, but more importantly, trustworthy cars. Anyway, Subaru, we appreciate you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short message. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. It's Utah's well. Steve Bottle. The, the, the beautiful Steve Bottle. Oh, thank you. Mind thank you. you. Uh, I'm Tom Hackett. Uh, second portion of the show, and we appreciate all you guys tuning in. Um, there's obviously going to be a big quarterback battle this spring, which we will dive into. I think there have been some transfer news. Devontae Henry Cole going down to uh, the TDS, as well as Jason Shelley announced recently he's going to be in the he's he's entering the portal, which is uh, a fascinating conversation, although one that I think I think was was somewhat expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the second it was announced, Jason was going to play safety. Many, many people uh, up there on the hill, those that follow it closely, were sus- suspect that it might not last. It turns out he, he wants to play quarterback. So we'll talk about that. And then, uh, well, spring ball dates, Steve, things to look forward to, um, and and much, much more. But, but the quarterback battle. Let's get into this, man. So... <clears throat> I need to start by saying that I'm a massive Cam Rising fan. Same here. Like, like, not even... Genuine. Yeah, not the no, player. No. 
Right. Like the person. Yeah. He's one of the dopest dudes you'll ever talk to. Yeah. So I am all aboard the rising train. Choo-choo. Yeah. I'm all about it. So I'm probably going to be... And I don't know Bentley. I don't know him. Never met him. You've probably talked to him. I haven't, actually. You haven't? No, dude, he's been elusive. Wow. Like, if, if he's as we gotta elusive... we got to get him on the pod then, Steve. Yeah, no, we got to. It's it's a thing. We'll talk to we'll talk to Paul, see if we can schedule an interview. Paul. We like Paul. Paul Kirk up there. You do great work if you tune in. Um, <laughs> wow. I thought you would have spoken to no, him. No, dude. So Okay, so where do you want to start then? We're let's, both going to be biased. Yeah, let's fanboy about Cam Rising. Okay. <laughs> you start. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I think... I'm fascinated about this this battle, right? You've got the quarterback coming in with all the experience you could you could want in Jake Bentley, right? I, I think he's got a 19 and 14 record at South Carolina, uh, competed in the SEC against some really tough defenses. I did a breakdown at UZone.com comparing what he did at, at at South Carolina in the SEC compared to defenses that he'll face in the Pac-12. There's a a, a pretty significant difference in terms of the competition uh, that he faced there and and what he will likely see in the Pac-12. The SEC is just tough defense and I don't I don't think anybody would would disagree. Maybe um maybe some would, but I think overall top to bottom I think the SEC is tough. But I I think Jake Bentley is a, a fascinating quarterback. He's got some some really good arm talent. He can make a lot of throws all over the field. Uh, but he's just erratic sometimes in his decision making and and in his accuracy, uh, which uh, you can see when you watch when you watch tape on him. But he'll make some really nice throws, some great throws where he'll drop it in the bucket, thirty yards down the field over the outside shoulder on a fade route. Like he'll make some wow throws that just you want more of it. But then he'll come back on the next series and he'll throw one, you know, at the feet of his receiver five yards away from him. And it's just it's that kind of stuff that's that's maddening when when you watch Jake Bentley. Um, so you've got the experience. He's produced really well at South Carolina, which under Will Muschamp, not known for being an offensive guy. Uh, you got to like what what he's bringing here. He, he did throw for over five hundred yards against Clemson. Impressive game too, yeah. Made Which some, is some some good throws worth noting because mm-hmm. Clemson, um, you know, competing for national championships year after year. Currently, uh, yes, that they, they have a great def- uh, offense rather run by Trevor Lawrence, but that defense no joke either. Right, uh, that, that's a solid top tier defense uh, with the recruits that they have coming in year in and year out. So to put up five hundred yards through the air uh, against. One of the best teams in the country. Top three team in the country year in and year out. That's that's impressive. Now, that's probably the, when it comes to Jake Bentley, that's the biggest plus, right? There's right. playing experience. Yeah. He has film against top-tier football teams nationally mm-hmm. that Cam Rising cannot say he has. Right. Which is where this whole battle becomes fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now... Cam Rising does have a few pluses of his own. He's been in the Utah program longer than Jake Bentley has. In fact, do you know when J- is Jake Bentley currently he's here. working out? Okay. Yeah, he's here. So he'll have spring ball to compete, which mm-hmm. is massive. Mm-hmm. Boy, that spring ball is going to be fun, isn't it's it? It's going to be a lot of fun there, Tom. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cam Rising's been around the program for a few more, for a few more months, a year or two. He's also recruited out of his rear end. Oh, <laughs> the boy can spit it. What is he up can with spit that? It. 
Yeah, man. He can. He just knows how to talk to these guys, right? I think his experience at Texas and saying, like, look, like, I've been through it. I, I've been to one of these top blue chip programs, right? These uh, a program like Texas is going to get some of the top talent in the country. It, you know, you have a certain swagger about you, and you're able to relate to a lot of these other guys in the transfer portal and, and being recruited. And Man, he just knows how to talk to so, dudes. Knows like, how to relate. Who did he host? Because he's hosted quite a few people, and they've all committed, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one of them flipped to Rutgers at the at the last minute, but I I, I think that was uh, that was no fault of Cam's. So Peyton Powell was okay. was the Baylor transfer that was going to come to Utah. The quarterback. The quarterback that was going to uh, play wide receiver at Utah. Yes, yes. And and Utah wasn't shy about that. They told him like, yeah, we'll give you a year at quarterback while you're you're sitting out. Uh, we'll see what kind of progress you can make, but we're. We're recruiting you as as an athlete as well. They weren't. They were upfront about that the entire way, and then Rutgers came in uh, with with Greg Schiano and and that staff that recruited him at Ohio State and said, "Hey, we want you as our quarterback. No ifs, ands, or buts. You're coming here as a quarterback." And that's if, ultimately what led to to Powell uh, flipping to uh, to to Rutgers. But that's besides the point. He he played a, a vital part in landing Van Fillinger. Ty Jordan, both of who, of whom were Texas commits uh, for a good majority of of this fall season, as well as a few others. Uh, he's just a again, he's got a, a an infectious personality. He's just a fun guy to be around, and he'll give it to these guys straight. And I think that's the biggest draw with these recruits. So that's one side. Obviously, recruiting doesn't translate to success on the field, right? But co- but the coaching staff. They have to appreciate the work he's done. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Jack Tuttle, King Tut, King Tut himself, <laughs> was a was a pretty good recruit. Well, he at least tried, right? He tried, and he I was, think coaches appreciated that. Yeah, he was key in landing Solomon Enos. Uh, that was one that benefited Utah in a in a big way. And and I've talked to Solomon's parents and and Solomon himself, and and they referred to Jack as being a key part in his recruitment to Utah. So 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 no, it's not going to land Cam Rising the job over Jake Bentley because of his ability to recruit. But I do think the coaching staff will appreciate it more than maybe some people realize. Um, because at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, Steve. Recruiting is what makes or breaks a college football program. Right. It's the bottom line. It's it's the foundation. And if, if you can't recruit well, you're not going to have a good football team. You can develop as much as you want. But if you can recruit at a high level, you will have a pretty good football team. If you can also get them to buy into the program once they're there, that's when you win championships. So uh, recruiting is a big part. The coaching staff realizes that I've heard Co- Coach Whittingham talk about the foundation recruiting and how big a deal mm-hmm. it is for many years now. So uh, it's not going to give Cam the job, but it certainly right. is going to help, right? It's gonna, I, think I think so. I think so too. His ability now, from what we've heard, they you know how they like stopped media members from watching practice? Yes. It's so dumb. So dumb. It's the worst. The worst, because all we can go off is what we're hearing. Yes. Fortunately... You hear a lot, and so do <laughs> I. Heard I hear a lot. <laughs> so we get, to, we get to talk about what we've heard. Yeah. And that's nothing but good news. It's been good stuff with Cam Rising. Like, that's the thing is, is you hear, and this comes from multiple places, multiple sources, uh, players, parents, that kind of stuff, and, and other sources t- closer to the program itself. And you talk to these guys, and 
it's all good stuff. Like they could not stop talking about how impressive Cameron Rising was throughout this past fall as a scout team quarterback. He provided the defense a great look every every single week. And I think when you look at what he did on film, when you go back to his high school film, you see his talent there, and you know that he's been getting reps as a scout team quarterback. I think you know, and, and the players are willing to talk about him and rave about him. That's a big sign that you know there's there's a lot of confidence in this. Kid. Kid. And so that's where my optimism, and I'm sure your optimism stems from, is what you're hearing. And this is where the battle is, right? What you see with Jake Bentley compared to what you hear with, with Cam Rising. And it's going to be fun to actually see it on the field. Hopefully, if we get to actually watch it. Yeah. Are they going to? They shouldn't ban us for spring no, ball. No, we got to watch spring ball last year. Right. It was the fall that Coach Wake yeah, got his knickers in like, the knot. He gave us the kibosh. Right. He's like, no, no bueno. You guys talk too much. Get out of here. <laughs> like, okay. So um, I can't name names, but uh, a player on the Utah team. I, c- I can tell you he was just recently married, and I can tell you he's been rumored for many years to, to, to potentially transfer to BYU, ah. which I've also spoken to him about. He says, if you hear those rumors, Egg them on because he he appreciates them and he finds them comedic. <laughs> but he told I love me this player that I have no clue who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, about. he's a great great human. He's also a talented football player. But he told me that that Cam Rising throws the best ball that he's he's experienced at Utah. And and this isn't a knock on like my good friend Travis, who maybe this player played with, or like Tyler Huntley, or. Uh, who was that other quarterback? Will- Williams? Remember Troy him? Williams. Troy. I nearly said Trent. Uh, Troy <sighs> Williams. He was around. Maybe I think. Maybe not. He might have been elsewhere for a couple of years. But regardless, he's a big fan, and he says he throws as good of a, a spiral as he's experienced. Just you know the way that the ball leaves his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to sound really weird, but but it's the truth. Some quarterbacks. They just throw a ball that that works. Yeah. So 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 it's the same with long snapping, right? So Chase Dominguez, who I'm sure many crazy Utah fans remember, not all because not all are as psycho as as you and I, Steve. But, right. <clears throat> but he was a long snapper. Should be in the NFL. The goat couldn't put on weight. So the Saints canned him. My point here is when he would snap because I held I held Andy's balls. Don't yeah. take it. In a bad way. Not taking it that no, way there, no, no, Tom. No, 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 football. This is KSL. Yeah. And uh, long story short, it, it, when he would snap to me, it was like the ball was coming to me in slow motion. The backup. The, like, light shone down from the sky and kinda, the angels sung. But it, it just, like, like he would snap it and it, was, it, would, it would hit my hands and it would just be super comfortable. Wow. Like, I, I could almost, it, weird. And then the backup would get down there and just snap it real, really hard. Yeah. Um. And it would feel like it was coming to me at like a, a rocket ship, like a rocket ship. Yeah. But when you time them, they were like the same time. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So like I can't explain why. That is very interesting. But it's the same with quarterback. Yeah. And I've heard the same thing. Like that's one thing uh, I have a fairly good relationship with uh, one of the uh, the uh, players' parents uh, who uh, has one set of footprints oftentimes. Uh, and he talks about the same thing. Cameron Rising throws a beautiful ball. You can't explain what it's it is. Catchable. It, yeah, and it's it's there's a a lot of just excitement about what he does with you know his arm, 
his arm talent and, and the throws that he's able to make. And we saw it at times last spring. I think last spring was tough because we didn't know if, if Rising was going to be fully eligible, so we didn't get a, a, a lion's bulk of the shares uh, of the snaps. Um, and we didn't get to see a lot of Cam Rising, but in the moments that we did, I remember he he pulled it and ran for a big chunk play. He made some throws down the field where, you know, again, he's dropping it in the bucket. Uh, just makes a lot of things. So you see these glimpses. You combine it with what you hear. There's just – it's team rising, man. It's I'm on t- team it's rising. It's team rising. Yeah, until Jake Bentley comes out of the darkness and talks to us, then I'm all aboard the rising train. Um, and I'll say this. I, I think Jake Bentley is the safe bet – to win the starting job just Do because really? I I think it's the safe bet huh. based on his experience and Andy Ludwig recruiting him previously um coming when when Bentley was coming out of high school so I think Bentley is so, the safe bet but okay, I'm I didn't know all that. aboard yeah. so Ludwig recruited him out of Andy. He did yeah interesting yep. yeah so, now there is that foot injury and that's that's a part of why I I lean towards rising as well as is Bentley is coming off a serious injury. And how does that impact his game? He has to, he certainly has to prove himself. Mm-hmm. It'll be a back and forth competition. Uh, the media will, will ask about it daily. Coach Whittingham will give get very sick little. Of it. <laughs> He'll probably get upset that we're continuing to watch. Here's the bottom line is, is there's probably going to be somebody that leaves spring ahead of the other. Right. The chances of both, Bentley and Rising being neck and neck come the end of spring, in my opinion, probably pretty small. I think somebody will have an edge going into the fall into fall camp. That can change. Mm-hmm. Fall camp, there are there is movement um, up and down the depth charts. So now we we probably won't know who's got the edge right. coming out of spring, and we don't need to, right? right. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think we we may have an idea. We don't get to see practices and its totality, uh, you know, where we get the full scope of practice. But I think we'll have, we should, you know, typically in these types of battles, it's it's fairly reasonable to get a, a good a good idea and feel of who is beating the other guy. Maybe. I, I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. I hope it's that. I just hope we can watch is really what I. Please. Is a, that's all I hope. Please. Here's like, the thing is, um, like, like, I don't know what. I'm watching most of the time anyway, so and I think most media members, maybe yeah. not all, like like if Hans Olsen were to come down, right? He played, Aww. he knows what he's watching. Hans, come on! Well, Hans pretends Hands. like he knows, so I'm yeah. gonna throw him I a love bone. You, Hands. We, love do, you. we like Hans. Um, who else? Like some former players, you know, anybody that used right. to play an actual position, like <laughs> knows what they're watching. Yeah, like for me. I'm just like, can we get to the punt period? <laughs> I'm trying to watch spirals. Trying to watch my boy Ben Lennon. Yes. Anyway, no. Uh, it'll be fun. Spring ball is going to be fun. Hey, when does spring ball start again? Spring ball starts March second. Okay, coming the up first week of of March. Obviously, yeah. So that's coming up in just a few weeks. Uh, it'll go through April. So the the red and white game uh, will be April eleventh. Oh, very fun. Is the target date. So uh, that's coming quick. It's going to be fun, man. It comes and goes way too quick. Hey, uh, speaking of transfers. Um, Devonta Henry Cole. Going to the team down there. Going to the team down south. Down south, yeah. man. Yeah, 45-minute trip. Um, I actually don't hate that move. 
So when I look at transfers, I, uh, I I try and put myself in their position. Right. Is, is I guess, what, what it all comes down to. Because at the end of the day, uh, certain programs aren't going to work for certain players. Devontae Henry Cole, who I thought proved... His worth, for the most part, when he, like I thought against USC, he was really good when Zach Moss went down. I, I I thought throughout times during the year there was a run he made against UCLA. Granted, it's UCLA uh, and that defense is deplorable, but there was a nice twenty-five yard touchdown run mm-hmm. that he put into the back of the end zone late in the game. Uh, so he sh- he showed glimpses of of what he's about, and I think he is a three-down back. Mm. I don't think he's a three-down back at Utah, okay. so I don't blame okay. him. There's too much talent in that running back room, Steve. Sure. He, uh, yes. Like, yes. That, that, that's what, what it comes down to, and he's trying to he's trying to make a bit of money for his family, and he's not going to make that type of money if he's sitting on the sideline right. and getting a rep here and there, maybe five, ten reps a game. It's just So go to a school where you can more than likely become a three-down back and put some decent film on tape and then give yourself the best chance to make some cheddar in the NFL. And that's what he's done. Yeah, and that's that's the focus here, right? And I, I think that's a great point where we're talking about Devontae Henry Cole, who's primarily been the number two, three, four running back at Utah behind Zach Moss, and and now Utah moves on from Moss, and they're looking at Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, and and now Makai Bernard is getting a lot of of positive talk in, in winter workouts so far, and I think there's just a lot of talent. They bring in another really highly touted freshman running back in Ty Jordan. The running back room is just crowded at Utah, and there's a lot of talent. and It's young talent, too. Yeah, and that's the thing that was working against Devonta Henry Cole. He's had so many years in the program and hasn't been able to find his footing. Um, you know, a, a change of scenery will be good for him, I think, and the fact that he's going from Utah's the number three to number four back to BYU and now he's kind of the expectation for him is to become the starter I think uh, is a great move for him and it speaks to the difference between Utah and BYU Um, when when you look at and I know Utah fans aren't going to want to hear this so I'm somewhat hesitant but I'll, I'll make it short BYU's offensive line during 2019 was ranked I think from Pro Football Focus, if I'm not mistaken, is like a top 15 offensive line. Like mm-hmm. it, it was up It there. was good. And they've got a lot of guys returning uh, in 2020. So they will, uh, assuming they, they continue their, their good run of form um, up front, they'll have a good offensive line for, Devon, to, for Devontae right. to, to, to run behind. They've obviously got a talented quarterback room. Uh, my point is, I think the offense down at BYU is going to be pretty good. Um Hopefully not against Utah on September 3rd, but I think they'll have some success here and there. Hopefully Devontae can play a big role. I'm rooting for Devontae. You sure. Know? And, and I guess I've said this, I've said this publicly to my, my admiration for Kalani um, over the years. I, I, I'm all about the Cougars. It's just come September 3rd, I'm all on Team Red. Ten is coming. Ten is coming. And I think the players are all on board with that, too. It was fun seeing him, seeing Twitter after Devontae announced his transfer to BYU is a lot of the players were saying, hey, love you, bro, but 10 is coming. And I thought that that was so fun. It speaks to, you know, the fact, the relationship that these guys have, but it's still rivalry. The rivalry matters, and and Utah's focused on getting number 10. It's certainly, the rivalry's certainly not as volatile as maybe it once was, right? And I think Kalani being there is a big Big deal there. That's mended some wounds yeah. from, from previous years, which which I'm sure there are some fans out there that hate, right? I'm sure fans out there are like, no, 
uh, I don't even own I don't even own a piece of blue in my closet, dude. Yeah. I don't even wear blue. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you need to like reconsider life's yeah. choices. Yeah. Because life's too short to be making such <laughs> decisions. Like, wow. That's funny. I was, so I was just at Disneyland over the weekend and I was there with my girlfriend. She bought me a, a well, I bought it, but she told me to buy it, a blue Disneyland hoodie. And I'm like, ah, does it have to be blue? And you know, she, obviously, she likes to look at something good, and she said it looked good. It was just so painful to buy it, right? Something blue, like I can't do it. You are in a unique situation where, like, your job is Team Red. Oh yeah, and like anything they do or they say or events that take place up there on the Pumping hill, it. you're covering it. Yep, pumping it. So, so you're in a unique situation. The average human, right? The average Utah fan that drives a truck for eleven hours a day should not have to worry about what color T-shirt they're wearing. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, but but they're not in the trenches like you are. Yeah. So anyway, it's gotta rep the red. All day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> By the way, before I came to Utah, worth noting, red has always been my favorite color. Hey, yeah, there we go. So I'm, I'm all about Team Red. I have no problem with it. Uh, Jason Shelley, yeah, decided to to move on. Yeah, that was uh, like you mentioned earlier. I, I don't think it came as too much of a surprise. Uh, I think when the the move to safety was made for him, I. Like you said earlier, I think a lot of people were just a little hesitant that it was actually going to stick. I think his heart's at quarterback, and and this this decision to transfer I th- speaks to it, right? And he acknowledges much that he wants to play quarterback, and he should. If he wants to, go find an opportunity to play it. I think he's proved himself, and this was something that we talked about earlier as well, is you know, he's got the the film, he's got production, he's got the wins, to back up an opportunity to start at quarterback elsewhere. I um if I'm Jason Shelley, I'm going to Utah State. And and the reason behind that is because Gary Anderson, who was on Utah's staff last year, or two years ago I should say now, uh familiar with, with Jason. Um so there's already that relationship mm-hmm. there. There's a number of other coaches that traveled up there. Cochina, the defensive coordinator, is with is with Gary Anderson at Utah State. So so there's relationships that have already been formed. Jordan Love, potential first round pick, departing to go to the National Football League. So there's an opening. More importantly, and it's the Mountain West Conference. It's a great conference. Just look at what Jordan Love uh, did while he was there, and look at the position he's put himself in. He is going to make a lot, a lot of money mm-hmm. come Sundays. Uh, and he played at Utah State. You can make the NFL at a school like Utah State. It's certainly possible. Plus, they're one of the better teams in the Mountain West Conference year in and year out. So right. uh, I would go that you seem to think he's headed back home to Texas. I do think I've been told that uh, don't be surprised to see him transfer back home uh, to the state of Texas. Uh, SMU has a wonderful program now that's that's coming back up. Um, and, and there are a lot of other programs in the state of Texas where he can go and he can start right away. I think Utah State is a great opportunity for him if he elects to go that route. Uh, I've just I think there's a, a good a good chance that he ends up back in the state of Texas. Um and and finds an opportunity to start. I would not fault him uh, one bit to go home. If if a kid wants to go home, go yeah, go home because um, family wants you. Eh, it's always easier when you're home. You know, yeah. mom's home cooked meals are nice. That Ooh. just makes life better. So uh, speaking of Texas, um, there there were rumors, and and this will kind of 
wrap up our conversation uh, for the first episode of It's Utah's World. We appreciate you guys for, for tuning in, but uh, there was there was a rumor that, that Andy Ludwig was potentially going to join What's-His-Bucket at Baylor. Dave Aranda. Dave at Aranda Baylor. at Baylor. Um, now, we haven't heard anything since, and this probably came out three or four weeks ago now. It's been some time. Uh, but it is worth noting that, that Andy's son has just recently joined the Utah program. So his family, Steve, uh, was still living out in Vandy territory, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Where is Vandy? Is that Missouri? No, that's Nashville. That's Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, is, right. is, down te- is is right in the heart of Nashville is the Vanderbilt campus. It's a beautiful campus. Country s- singers. Oh yeah, go to Nashville, like, right? It, yeah, it's Never it's the Las Nashville. Vegas of the East is what it is what it's referred to, right? And Vanderbilt is referred to as the Stanford of the East. So, uh, interesting combination where you get the education of Stanford in an, in a city like Las Vegas. Just I don't know, uh, but anyways. So yes, Joe Ludwig. Joe Ludwig. Uh, well, what do we know about? I guess my point here is. If Utah fans were concerned we were going to lose Andy Ludwig, the chances are we probably won't unless no. he gets, like, a crazy offer. He's not going anywhere. Which I don't think yeah. would happen. He's not going anywhere. I th- so if you've been a member of UteZone.com, you know uh, basically Andy – said thank you but no thank you uh if if you're not familiar with dave aranda uh and andy ludwig they had um a few years at wisconsin together there's a a previous relationship there and and andy ludwig was dave aranda's first choice as offensive coordinator at baylor and so there was a phone call a conversation and and andy said thank you but but no thanks i'm sticking here uh like you said joe ludwig who was at iowa uh, as a walk-on, uh, kind of a utility player in terms of what he is on the field. He's a safety linebacker, fullback, uh, will likely play a similar role at Utah. He's now enrolled at Utah, and the rest of the family is expected to come out to Utah uh, here in the coming weeks. So the family's moving out here. I think that's a positive sign. I don't know why you would move to Utah and then go to Waco, Texas, uh, to become the offensive coordinator there. Uh, but it speaks to, you know, I think if you're a Utah fan, that's an that's a big time compliment that one of the the hottest commodities in Dave Aranda, who is now a head coach, uh, wanted Andy Ludwig as his first offensive coordinator. That's a big compliment to him, and and it's a big compliment to the Utah football program and what they did on the offensive side of the ball this past season. I agree. I think that's uh, that's fun. It'll be good to have, uh, of course, Coach Ludwig around for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, we cannot get out of here without saying thank you to Nate Wade Subaru, uh, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City. Just go tell them we say good day. Uh, they'll be friendly. They've got an abundance of cars. Celebrities, including Post Malone, have gone to Nate hey, Wade Subaru to buy posty. cars from them. Uh, they, uh, they're they really good. They're the oldest Subaru dealership in the entire North America, so customer service is uh, really, really impressive down there. Uh, do yourself a favor, because because uh, like if you like myself, you're gonna you need a new car. You are gonna need a new car there, Tom. That's where I'm headed. Yeah, Wade Subaru. Just so you guys know, uh, Steve. Last time when we were setting this whole podcast up, you were you were doing the keto diet. Yeah. How is are you? You you went to I've California recently. Yeah, yeah. I've, I dropped so. 
update here. I was 278 in Texas when we were at the Alamo Bowl. That was, you know, after a few meals of barbecue. Yeah, don't do it to you. Some mac and cheese, just tubs of it. I was 278, and I said, enough's enough. I got to get on the keto. So this past week, checked in at 262. So Good I've, for you, man. I've lost 16 pounds, but I think I've gained probably six or seven uh, over this past weekend at Disneyland. A lot of, lot of corn dogs. A lot of meals Corn at Disneyland. Very, very underrated. Oh, there's it's yeah, dude. They're so good. I they're, love they're, corn dogs. I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, they're so good. You know, some some sausage wrapped with <laughs> whatever that batter is. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's crunchy, soft. You put some honey on it. Oh, some... you go. I've never done the honey. You've never done honey. Uh-uh. Oh, bro. But like, I couldn't. I can't. You can't find corn dogs in Australia. Ah. So like, I'm a, I'm a pretty. New corn dog consumer. Well, this is a wonderful moment for you. Next time you get a corn dog from one of these corn dog trucks, mm. ask them if they have honey, and they'll throw it on there. They'll lather it up. It'll change your life. Okay, no, I, I'm I'm all about it because I I do a bit of honey on my grilled cheese. Ooh, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. So so like I'm 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 not new to the honey scene, but to the corn dog scene, I'm I'm an amateur. I guess is where yeah, I put myself. Yeah. But, uh, you look good. The jawline's coming in Thank swiftly. You. Thank you. So you recommend keto, though? I For me and, and how I eat, uh, right? I've got a, a big body type. I like to lift uh, a lot. I don't like to do a lot of cardio. I need my protein. I need my meat. I need my steak, right? Um, it's been tough cutting out the carbs, but it's been it's been the easiest diet for me. And so I'm, I'm team keto. Good for you, man. Well, I, uh, I'm not team anything at the minute. Um, but you look great. Oh, you're too kind. You look great, man. I, uh, I, you know what I do is I just try, I should say, and watch portion size. There you go. And and then if you if you can do that to some success, you'll actually be able to eat a lot of crap. Hey, yeah, and yeah. get away with it. Yeah, you know, just portion control your crap. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm on, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> and I'm ready for summer. To come by. I'm not ready yet. I still got a few more pounds, a few more LBs to lose before I'm ready for summer, but enough of this cold weather, that's for sure. I think fortunately we'll have some a few more snowstorms roll through. Uh, Steve, it's been a pleasure. It has. It's Thank been you. great. Thank the you for joining. Hey, episode. we can't get out of here without talking about quickly, 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 UteZone.com. Uh, memberships, pricing, where they can go to figure it all out, because the insights, the Utah Football Insights, I'm just telling you guys, I've got a membership myself. The Utah Football Insight is on UteZone.com. If you're a crazy that doesn't own any blue in your closet, you need to join UteZone.com. Tell them all. Yeah, so UteZone.com, that's the site. We have... uh Offers, special offers going on all the time. Uh, and come check us out. We've got a lot of content. We're publishing two to three articles a day, a lot of in depth analysis, football, basketball. We'll even have baseball this spring. So we're excited. We've grown tremendously over the last year. We're excited for this uh, partnership with KSL, essentially with me joining you here, Tom. I'm excited about this podcast, adding it to the Blockcast. It's going to be great. Um, it's it's just a fun time to be a Ute fan because the program is growing, and the more content we get, the better, I think. And, and that's the, the biggest uh, and most exciting thing about this whole thing. UteZone.com for, of course, more information you can't. We can't get out of here without giving a shout-out to KSLSports.com uh, and everybody that helps power that. For all your sporting needs here in the state of Utah, KSLSports.com is your place. From myself, Steve Bartle, and everybody here at KSL Broadcast House, we say th- so long 
and goodbye. We'll be back next week. With Let's more go. Utah football coverage. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>